0: The New Testament reading is from James, chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food, If one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by actions, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did? when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead.
1: Thanks, David. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask that you will help me to be faithful to the text today. And Lord, we pray that you would give us understanding and clarity, that we will be built up in our faith, that we will be excited in our service for you. Lord, may we be excited in the relationship that we have with you, your love that you have shown to us and your love that you have placed in our hearts. Oh, Father, we look to you. May you receive the honour and the glory through this text today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. James is at it again. He is just so blunt, almost just in your face. And uh, I, I don't think if you wanted to send a diplomatic emissary that you would choose James. A diplomat needs to go and say lots of nice flowery things and pack a punch in between. James says none of the flowery things, he just packs a punch. Just every time, bang, 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 there he goes. And, and look, I, because I'm, I'm just preaching through James and there, there's some hard-hitting you know, sermons... I hope you don't think, oh, that Kim Jager, he's a nasty pasty. (laughs) You know, he's just always at us. Uh, Not not at all. Um, But but I think in James, even though he's so hard-hitting, it's just such a wonderful book. And sometimes we just need, you know, just need to put out there, what does our Christian faith look like or what should it look like? So let's get into it. And we'll have a look at uh, what James is saying today. So verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? So James is acknowledging there in that last little bit, can such faith save them? James is acknowledging that it is through faith that we are saved. Okay, we need to be clear on that. But James is also asking if faith without deeds is a genuine faith. Is it actually saving faith? A politician waxes lyrical about the local state schools in her electorate. And she says that they the, the public schools are, are just second to none. Absolutely top education. You can't do better than this, but then she sends her own children to a private, wealthy school. Do her actions back up what she is saying? A fast food executive claims that his fast food chain is very healthy, and he's saying, Come on, parents, bring your children to my fast food chain. Uh, They should be eating here because it's nutritious, it's wonderful, it's going to make them strong and healthy. But he never takes his own children to his own restaurant. He only ever takes them to those restaurants in town that claim to have healthy food, you know, salads and veggies and all those good things. Do his actions back up his words? Is he being genuine In what he is saying, actions show what people really believe. Actions show what people really believe. And that's why Jesus said, By their fruit you will recognise them. Matthew chapter 7, verse 20, By their fruit you will recognise them when I was doing a Bible college unit on, I can't remember the name of the unit now, but it was basically looking at at being a pastor, pastoral dynamics, that kind of thing. And we learned about um, one dynamic that can happen sometimes uh, that a church can call a new pastor and give that pastor the brief and say to them, we want you... And often they'll say, oh, we're not very good at this ourselves, but we want you to grow the church. We want you to see people saved. We want growth. And then the new pastor comes and they actually start to see growth happening and, and new people won to the Lord. But then what happens after a bit? Some of the leaders in the church start to actually oppose the pastor and start to come against him and to undermine him. And, and, and it can actually erupt into a, a, a war, a warfare in the church. And we might say, why is this? They said they wanted growth, the leaders, and now the, the, the growth's happening, but they're, they're opposing it. Why is that? Because they said what they think they should be saying, but it's not what's in their heart. In their heart, they want a church that to stay small, all people that they know, and they can be really comfortable. That's what they really believe. That's what they really want. And also, as the church grows bigger, you can start to lose control and you can start to lose power and you can become threatened. You see, it's not what we say or even what we might write down, but it's actually what we really believe in our heart. And James is just saying here, don't just say you're a Christian, but actually really believe it and have corresponding action. I came across uh, a booklet. It was quite a thick booklet, very well done, glossy pages, diagrams, pictures. And it was a church uh, vision booklet. And I read this booklet, had a look at it, and I thought, oh, this is absolutely amazing. I'd love to be able to attend that church. Well, a number of years later, I was actually able to visit that church and I did so with real expectation and excitement. But when I got there, the, the church was absolutely nothing like the vision booklet that they had. Why, why is that? It's because they didn't actually believe what they put in their vision booklet. You see, it was fanciful thinking. It sounded great. They put everything that maybe a church should aspire to, but they really didn't believe it. They didn't have a passion for it. And if you don't believe it, your actions don't correspond with what you say or even with what you write down. Again, James is just challenging the Christians because, see, he looked out in the church, the early church, he looked across the church, and and he saw lots of genuine faith with corresponding actions but he also looked at and there were things that troubled him because he looked at it and, he, and he said oh look I see people in the church and they're saying they're believers but I don't see corresponding fruit in their life. When I was pastoring a church there was a, a man that came with his family uh, and uh, he, he came for a long, long time, Sunday after Sunday, came to church events. But there was just something that didn't seem right to me. There was just some fruit there in his life that was missing. So I uh, had a chat with him and uh, I found out that he didn't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ at all. And he actually said to me, he, he, and I was amazed by this, he said, um, he said oh, he said, you know, you actually believe this stuff you're preaching, don't you? I said, yes, I believe every part of it. He said, that's amazing. <laughs> I can't believe you actually believe it. And we were both amazed, you know. <laughs> and, and that's how far he was from Christ. You know, not only did he not believe it, he couldn't believe that I actually believed it. Um, and, and I said to him, but why are you coming to church? What are you doing here? And he said, oh, I just come because it's a good lifestyle for my children. You know, there's not a lot of alcohol, um, no drugs, no wild parties. It's just a good way for my children to grow up and that's why I come. But what was it that alerted me to even have a chat with this fellow? It was the fruit. You see, he might come and look like he's a Christian, coming every week, but, but... There wasn't the accompanying fruit. There was just something that didn't add up. And, and Jesus said, it's by your fruit that you will recognise them. Imagine a, a person attending church and they uh, come along and on a the Sunday they can look so good and you think, wow, they're the most lovely person out and, uh, you know, just just great, great person. But then the next day... The same person goes to church and yells at his employees. He diddles his income records to cheat tax. He underpays his workers and he sends out poor quality products. Is this person's actions testifying to a genuine faith? So he might show up in church and look all gleaming good on Sunday. You know, we talk about wearing our Sunday best but do our actions actually correspond with what we are purporting to be let's have a look at this verse 14 again what good is it my brothers and sisters if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds can such say faith uh, i 'm getting mixed up can such faith save them and the answer is no if the faith isn't genuine now. I think I've said this before in in uh, our series on James, but it's that saying that we say: you can talk the talk, but are you walking the walk? And Jesus said, and this is really confronting. Jesus said in Matthew seven, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognised by its fruit. So Jesus is there saying the same as James and Jesus is being confronting. He's saying genuine faith has good fruit to show that it is genuine faith. Now, can we just press the pause button here for a moment because um, we need to be abundantly clear as to what does actually save us. We need to be clear on this. Jesus paid the penalty for our sin by dying on the cross. And he took the punishment we deserve. And we are called by God to trust Jesus and and his death on our behalf. And we should never move away from that position. We are saved by our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and it is by faith alone. So I don't want anyone today, to, and most of you wouldn't, but I don't want anyone today to be mixed up in any way by, by this passage. Have some of you seen that it's, it's a little leaflet and you use it when you're you know, reaching out to people and you're explaining the, the salvation message? And there's a diagram in it. So you've got God here, and you've got you know, a person over this side, which is us. And then in the middle you've got this huge chasm and, and then there's sin written across it because this chasm separates us from God. We can't get to God. We can't be in a relationship with God because God's here, we're here. There's this huge chasm in between of sin. And what some people try and do, they try and build bridges across the chasm to get to God, to win God's favour, to be okay with God, and they build bridges by works. They say, if I can do enough good deeds, if I can be good enough, if I can do the right things, then I can build a bridge across this chasm to be with God. The problem is that as much as you try and build, it never deals with our sin. We're still guilty of sin. We're born in sin. It doesn't matter how much good you do, we've still got that problem of sin. It will always separate us from God. If you think, oh, I'm not, I'm not a sinner, I don't go and rob banks and do nasty things, friends, our sin is our selfishness, our self-centeredness. We covet what other people have. Can any of us honestly say that every day every hour of every day, that we love the Lord God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind. I can't say that. The more I'm, I'm around with the Lord, uh, the, the more I see what a miserable, rotten sinner I really am. How far short I fall. The thing sometimes we do, are we doing it really for God? Are we doing it for ourselves? Are we doing it so that people come back and say, oh, we're good? You know, it gives us kudos. You know, so often our selfishness just screams out. So building a bridge, us trying to do it by works to get to God, it just never works. It always falls short and miserably short. The only one who can build the bridge is Jesus Himself. And and if you picture in the in this little booklet, then they have the cross, you know, bridging that chasm. And then if you imagine that uh, through faith in, in Jesus and God's grace to us, we can actually walk across the bridge, and, and and come across, and we can actually be with God, and then we enter into this relationship with the lord now how have we got there it's by god's grace and our faith and faith alone but once we're with god then because love has been ignited in our heart god has put his righteousness in us and and, and a desire to serve him from that point on then we do good works we're saved by faith alone, but then good works become added. They accompany our faith and we live the rest of our life with good works. But faith alone brings the salvation and then, and then we, we live a life of faith and good works. Now, I'm sorry that I've laboured that because some of you have probably been walking with the Lord for, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years and think, oh, you know, yeah, I know that. But, but I wanted to labour it because, you know, there it could be some people who've come here and you're searching genuinely. And good on you if you are here and you're searching about this fellow called Jesus. That is so awesome. And my prayer today is that the gospel message may just touch your heart. Verse 15, suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? You see, faith in action, it loves. Faith in action helps people. Professing faith without action, it achieves nothing for anybody. It doesn't bring glory to God and it doesn't help anyone in any way. Verse 17, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So James is saying there that real genuine faith proves it is alive by corresponding action. It's like a plant. If you've got a plant in your garden, uh, you expect it to be looking green and uh, growing and then you know it's alive. Uh, You know, last year um, it was really wet through winter and we've got some plants in our garden and um, just a few of them, they they hate having wet feet. But where they were, it was so wet for months that they were just basically sitting in just water almost. You know, the ground was so uh, sodden with with moisture. And after a while, I, I thought, oh they don't look like they're doing very well because the greenery started to go and they started to get brown. And uh, I, I was hoping that they'd make it. I thought, oh, come on, little plants, just survive. You know, you've been there for a few years. Come on, come on. Um, but as I kept watching, uh, no, they got browner and browner the leaves and eventually, you know how they go brittle, but I still wouldn't pull them out. I thought, I'm just hoping that there might be some new green leaves which would suggest that the roots haven't died and they might recover. But I waited and I waited, no, nothing happened. And in the end, those plants appeared to be dead. So I thought they must be dead (laughs) and I pulled them out. And this is what James is saying. If faith appears dead, it probably is. If you can't see fruit or growth because faith grows, it is probably dead. Now, I'm being a bit softer here. I'm saying if it appears dead, it probably is. James doesn't even say that. He's just so blunt. He just says in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, he's dead. (laughs) Now, I told you, he's not a diplomat, is he? He's He's just straight there in our face. But, but friends, is there a contradiction, a theological contradiction here with what we uh, dearly hold to? Um, when I drive around, you know, going out into the bush uh, to go and see people, I spend a lot of time in the car, so I listen uh, constantly to sermons and theology and so on. I love to listen to systematic theology. I'm running out. If you've got some good tips for me, please tell me. Um, and, um, and, and you know, all in and, and, and the sermons I listen to, all good reform preaching. And uh, and they all saying the same thing over and over again. Uh, the preachers, the, the, the systematic theologians. And then we've got Calvin and we've got Luther and we've got the Westminster Confession to which we subscribe. And if you love it, the Heidelberg Catechism and all the great confessions and catechisms and so on, they all cry out one thing, they all say people are justified by faith alone. People are justified by faith alone. So again, I'm just asking the question, just so we can clarify this, is James disagreeing with that doctrine? Is he saying something else? I don't believe he is at all. I I believe that James is actually saying people are justified by faith alone, but genuine faith Is never alone. Because genuine faith will always produce good deeds. Only faith in Christ saves, but saving faith is accompanied by good deeds. Verse 18, this is a really weird verse. When you read it, you think, what on earth is James saying here? But we'll try and just unpack it really quickly. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. So this first part, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. James is using a protagonist there, either a real person and he heard it being said or or it's just imagined for the sake of the argument. So, But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. And then James' response is, show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. So James is using irony, and he's showing that you wouldn't say you had deeds and no faith. That would just be stupid. Nor should you say, though, that you have faith but no deeds. It is a false claim that there are faith Christians and deeds Christians, because faith and deeds should never exist independently of each other. Verse 19, you believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Christian faith is more than intellectual assent. It's more than just saying, I believe in the existence of God or even to say, I believe in the existence of Jesus Because James is saying demons believe there is God, but it doesn't make them Christian. We need more than just to say, oh, I believe in God. A lot of people believe that, but they don't have genuine saving faith. I think it was about seven years ago when the G20 was on in Brisbane, and, uh, you know, all the, the... heads of the um, countries were there and I just happened to be uh, or happened to have to fly into Brisbane and be there that same weekend. I thought it was fantastic because I've got a confession to make. I love those motorcades. You know, when they just have some important person ahead of the state and they just have police motorbikes and car after car. I just love it. I think it's so cool. I want to be in one one day. I wonder if they'll let me drive up with a trailblazer with Tasmania Patrol written on it. I, I came the same day the G20 started, but I was flying in at night, and I thought, oh, I hope someone's late, that a head of state's coming late. I was coming in, into the domestic, they'd come into the international, but I thought oh, I might see a motorcade. And I thought there's going to be police everywhere. It's going to be so cool. I got to the airport that night. It was the most deserted I've ever seen Brisbane Airport. There's hardly any passengers there. I didn't see one policeman, not in the terminal, not outside, not anywhere, not a police car. I drove past the International Terminal. There was no one. They'd all come early and the police were all in town. I was so disappointed. <laughs> but imagine if I would got close enough to one of the heads of state. Imagine Vladimir. You know, Vladdy had come in to town and I went up to him and he said, hello, Tim, it's great to see you. Let's go and have a cappuccino and have a chat. (laughs) Very unlikely, isn't it? If I got so close to a head of state, I probably would have been arrested. But you see, why am I telling you this weird story? You're thinking he's gone crazy. But no, the thing is, I know about those heads of state, but I don't know them and they don't know me. And you see, it's one thing to know about somebody. It's very different to know them and to have a relationship with them. What James is saying here, he's saying, hey, the demons, they believe in God, but they certainly don't have a relationship with him. And he's saying just because we say, oh, I believe in God, oh, I believe in Jesus, James is saying it doesn't mean anything unless we are truly in a relationship with God. You can know about God, but you actually have to know God. And that knowledge comes through a genuine faith in what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. And you see this very great difference to someone who sits in church and, 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 and doesn't pray. And when we sing the songs, can't get into it. Not, not you know, just it doesn't turn them on, um, because there may not be faith, genuine faith there. But you see, when there's a relationship with God, when there's genuine faith, then our heart is moved, and, and when we sing the songs, we believe it. Um, during the day, you know, prayer is never far away from us. We're praying. We love God's word. We treasure God's word. We love the church. And and being part of the church because there's a relationship with God. God says to us, hey, come and have a cappuccino and sit with me. You might think that's strange. I often have a cappuccino and talk to God. It's a genuine relationship and that's what James is getting at here. Let's move on. Verse 20. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? James is showing that Abraham's genuine faith was proved by his actions. So Abraham's faith was accompanied by deeds. It was accompanied with fruit. It was accompanied with obedience. His actions proved his faith. Verse 24, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Or oh, oh, you know, here this verse is really tricky. This one's had theologians, you know, going, ah, oh, is James there? Is he now contradicting what we believe? But but no, he's not. Because you know, it appears contrary to the Apostle Paul's teaching, which says we're saved by faith alone, not by works. So the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians two, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So is James teaching now a different doctrine? Well, no, he isn't. He's actually agreeing with Paul, but he's just highlighting from Abraham that genuine faith is proved by obedience to God. And Paul knew that as well. Because Paul knows that actions accompany our faith. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, Paul says this. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. See, Paul knows too that genuine faith finds expression in love, in, in genuine acts of kindness to people, in acts of worshipping the Lord. And then James goes on to this other example, uh, verse 25, in the same way. Was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So that's stories where... Joshua sends two spies into Jericho and we all know the story of where the walls of Jericho fell and and, uh, the people of God were able to come in and to take the city. But prior to that, Joshua had sent two spies into the city and they came to the house of Rahab. And Rahab actually put her faith in the God of Israel, not in the gods of her own city, but she put her faith in in the God of Israel. The city had already heard all about the God of the Israelites, but they weren't going to bow their knee to this God, but Rahab was. And she, at the risk of her own life, hid the two spies up on the roof of the house. You know, they had the flat roofs. You could go up there and she hid them under some stalks of flax so that when the king's people came to say, we've been It's been reported that these spies have come into your house um she said oh they they did come, but they have they 've gone, and you you need to go and pursue them so off they went, but the spies were still up uh, on, on the roof and then what she did she went and she uh, lowered them uh, out of the window uh, though attached to a rope, lowered them down to the ground. She could do that because her apartment was in the city wall as part of the, you know, these huge city walls and they were able to go off and escape. And, and just really briefly uh, later on, we reported that when Jericho fell, that Rahab with her family went and lived with the Israelites for the rest of her life and no doubt then lived a life of uh, faith uh, in the Lord. Now, what James is saying here is, and, and, and I'll, I'll just throw in, I know there's a whole lot of theological questions, but we haven't got time for it today. You know, she told a porky pie because she said, oh, they've gone, they were still there, and some people think that's a problem. She was a prostitute, other people think that's a problem. Yeah, look, if we had time, we could talk about that, but we'll, we'll bypass all of that for, for now. But, but I, I'm aware of those problems, but, but that's another sermon. But Rahab's actions proved her faith. That's what James is saying. She even put her life on the line so much was she putting her trust in God. And her example helps us still today because God asks us to believe in him and to live out our faith through action. And when we do, God can use us in powerful ways to change lives both now and for eternity and to bring honour to his name. Now, we can't lower someone down the wall out of our window because as far as I know, none of us live in an apartment in the city wall. But what will be our bold action plan? to accompany our saving faith in Christ Jesus. Let us take our faith and accompany it with bold action, like acts of kindness for people, like sharing the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, wherever and however we can. Let us be people who show forgiveness instead of harbouring grudges maybe one to another, we're willing to forgive and do that which God has done to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We should be people of forgiveness. Let us show grace and mercy to those who need it. Let us not judge people, but let us reach out to them in love. Let God do the judging and we do the loving. Let us be people who read the Bible and treasure the Bible. You know, hold it dear to our hearts, really treasure it, really love what it says and and, and actually pray when we read it, Lord, show me how do you want me to live my life. Let us be people of prayer. As I said before, may it be that God is never far from our thoughts. May we be generous in our giving. Now, none of this is to earn salvation, but let us do it because we are saved. Now, can I just say in closing, in case there's somebody, you know, and you're like that fellow I talked about before, and, and you might be thinking, there might be no one here like this, but but you know, you might be there thinking, you're listening to me, and you're thinking, oh. This, this fellow, he's a paid minister. He's paid to say this. He's just an old fellow. That's what old fellows do. You know, they just say all this stuff, you know. Well, I say no, 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 no. Because it might have been a long time ago, but when I was a teenager, I remember very clearly every day hopping into bed at night and I'd get out the Bible And I'd get out my scripture union notes and they were were ones where you had to read and fill in from the word and I'd do it night after night. And I'd be there, especially with the New Testament, sometimes with the Old, and I'd be underlining verses and writing in notes. My Bible just became full of notes. I just loved and treasured God's word because even as a teenager, I was so thankful that Jesus Christ had saved me and I would be with God for eternity. I went to everything that was on at church, every service, everything that we did. I was part of the, the um, outreach team um, where we, um, I can't believe it now, me, this raw recruit of a teenager, would go out with some older, wiser person and we'd visit people who were on the church books but they dropped off, you know, years ago. And there we'd rock up and knock on the door and spend some time with them and try and see where they're at with their faith and encourage them to come back um, to church. And sometimes they actually let me loose. And, uh, and I can't imagine what these older people thought about this, you know, rash, young guy, whippersnapper coming to you know, challenge them about their faith. Sometimes we went out and we just knocked on the doors around the church. Just anybody, you know, we went with a survey um, and seeing if we could get a, a gospel conversation going. Hey, I'll tell you what, when you do that, you pray. If you think your prayer life's dull, put yourself on the front line. Get out of your comfort zone and go and do something that make your knees knock. And I'll tell you what, it will invigorate your prayer life because you'll be crying out to God, help! You'll make sure your faith is genuine. That's what God wants. God wants genuine faith, an exciting relationship that we have with him that is more than just hollow words, but there is genuine action to accompany our faith. We are saved through the Lord Jesus Christ, his grace by faith alone. But genuine faith will always be accompanied by good fruit and good deeds. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we are so thankful for the love that you have shown us and the love that you pour out in our hearts. Lord, we're also so conscious that sometimes we fall so far short and we get it wrong, but we thank you for your faithfulness. You will carry out the work you will complete in in, uh, Christ and we're so thankful for that. And, Lord, we pray today that we would all be drawn to that genuine faith in you with genuine works to go along with it and, Lord, that we would give glory and honour to you In our lives. Father, we love you, we worship you, we thank you for your word, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.